0: Welcome to the Truly Nourished Podcast. My name is Rebecca Laurel Hill. I'm a registered dietitian, nutritionist, and life wellness expert. This podcast has one mission, to help women break free from dieting and overeating patterns and transform how they nourish themselves in body, mind, and soul. Each episode, we dive into teachings and tools that will help you find more peace and freedom with food. Enjoyment living in and caring for your body, and more happiness and fulfillment in your life overall. Thank you for being here. Let's get started. Hello, beautiful listeners. I am super excited, super, super excited to announce that I now have intuitive eating mastery coaching available. So I believe intuitive eating is really the entry portal. It's the foundation for being a truly nourished woman in your whole being, in your whole life overall. Because how we do one thing is typically how we do many things. And if we fret over food, if we restrict food, if we deprive ourselves in the area of food, if we shame how we eat, if we judge and shame our bodies, if we guilt and shame ourselves about what we eat or how we eat, etc., etc., this energy carries over into other areas of our life. Therefore, when we master intuitive eating, which means when we really embody it and live it and be it and are the person who is an intuitive eater, and when we let go of the pressure of dieting by releasing the whole dieting system and mentality and returning to finding pleasure and satisfaction and permission with food. And when we find ease and acceptance and even joy and gratitude for our bodies, this amazing energy gets to overflow into all areas of our life. And that's why I'm super excited to tell you that intuitive eating mastery coaching is available. And this is a private one-on-one coaching container that is highly interactive. It's high level support for you in your unique and specific journey in your relationship with food to help you get your relationship with food to that level of peace, of ease, of freedom, of true nourishment that you really desire. So This is perfect for you whether you're just starting to learn about intuitive eating. Maybe you've been playing with it for a while, but you don't really have it figured out. Maybe you've been working on it for months or even years, but not making the real and true shifts, not really embodying it the way that you want to be, still having challenges in your relationship with food. If you identify with any of those, that's who this is for, whether you're beginner, intermediate, or advanced. If you still have challenges in your relationship with food, this is for you. So in this container, we'll focus on the needle movers, the things that you will practice and work on embodying in the moment, like living in your life day by day, those things that will make the biggest difference for you so that you can get to that feeling of ease, that trust around food that you desire and get to experience that more and more. So we'll first meet live virtually face-to-face on Zoom to get started, and then the coaching will continue for either 30, 60, or 90 days, whatever you choose, whatever feels right for you. And after the initial session that we do on Zoom, then the coaching will continue on Voxer, Voxer is just a voice messaging app. It's like a walkie-talkie voice messaging app where we can chat, where we can leave each other messages so that we can literally talk daily and I can support you daily and give you coaching in the moment on whatever you're needing so that you can refine and also shift what is happening that day in that moment rather than waiting for a coaching session a week or two weeks out. So you really get my in-the-moment, day-to-day thoughts, ideas, perspectives, and support and coaching based on where you're at on that day to keep you building that momentum of working on that embodiment of being an intuitive eater, the really living of it and being of it, and identifying with having that freedom with food, having that peace with food, having that ease with food, and moving on to being that truly nourished woman. And I'm setting it up this way for the main reason because of that whole embodiment piece, living it and being it. Because what happens is we can learn a lot, right? We can, let's say, buy the book Intuitive Eating or take intuitive eating courses or listen to a lot of intuitive eating podcasts or just any sort of content around changing your relationship with food. And we can learn a lot and we can understand a lot and get it intellectually, but so often, I know this has been huge in my life, not only around my relationship with food, but in anything new that I'm trying to embody and be, is is that piece of the practice daily, the practice of being it, and really becoming embodied in it, so that is what I am so passionate about, that's why I'm so lit up and excited to offer this to you all, because I really want women to become truly nourished, starting with their relationship with food, living it and being it, and then expanding into all areas of your life, that body, mind, soul, nutrition. And if you're interested in learning more about coaching, just go to my website. The prices are right there. You can purchase, you can schedule. It's all right there on my website under the coaching. Also, feel free to reach out for questions. Email me, message me on Instagram or Facebook. I'm always here for you to answer any questions and just have a chat with you to know if it's even right for you. Okay, so getting into today's topic, why cravings are never about willpower. So a lot of times cravings come from trying so hard with food, trying so hard to stay on a certain eating plan, stay on a particular diet, but the harder you try, the harder you tend to fall. Because the harder you try restricting the foods you eat, the more your body and mind adapt to wanting to survive this self-imposed famine that you're putting yourself in. Because as far as your cells are concerned, you're trying to kill them from, from their perspective. So your brain finally sends out chemicals that send you to seek large amounts of food to fulfill this survival need and this survival trigger that's occurring in your body and in your brain. So cravings then escalate until you can't resist them. And for many people, the pressure to eat escalates to the point of feeling like they're losing control with food, that out of control feeling. Because when we Restrict and deprive it's like holding your breath it's like we um, have the illusion of willpower to limit our breathing right we can say well I'm going to hold my breath and I'm going to use my willpower right to hold my breath but at some point our body is going to react make us gasp because it needs air to survive and then when we finally breathe it's this huge Gasp for dear life rather than a gentle inhalation. And so it's very parallel with food and eating and restriction of food, whether that's quantities of food or types of food. Also, for many people who have a history of dieting and restricting, the mere contemplation, the mere idea, the mere thought of going back on a diet can bring up urges and cravings, especially for the types of foods they believe they will have to restrict while on the diet. So we can do this thing called eat it while you can, or in the book Intuitive Eating, uh, they describe it as last supper eating, where just the idea of restricting again or going on a diet makes us have these urges and cravings for food. Now, the next reason why willpower Uh, does not help with cravings and cravings aren't related to a lack of willpower is that when we fight with food, meaning when we tell ourselves that we can't have a particular food or that we should not have a particular food. So it's like this push pull, like, no, I can't, I shouldn't, we're fighting with it. It can lead to these, once again, intense feelings of deprivation in our minds that build into uncontrollable cravings and often things like binge eating. So having peace with food, making peace with food, giving yourself that permission to eat what you love also really helps with reducing these types of cravings that come from deprivation. And I posted something on Instagram recently, and I also shared it in my Facebook group, about how giving yourself this unconditional permission to eat when Uh, eat what you love, how that helps your mind to relax and know that it can be satisfied, that its desires can be satisfied. Just knowing that if I want it, I can have it, decreases the sense of needing it now or needing a lot of it right now. Because we're not afraid that it's going to be taken away. We know that we have this permission to have it and that it's okay to have it, that we can eat it, that we can savor it, that we can enjoy it without guilt, without fear, and we can then feel satisfaction from it. And so when we start to truly embody this aspect of being an intuitive eater, which is giving yourselves permission to eat what you love, when it goes from just an intellectual understanding that, yes, I'm going to make peace with food and give myself this permission, when it goes from that place to, once again, that place of embodying it and getting out of the whole dieting system and the diet mentality and you know the shoulds and the shunts with food and the food rules, getting away from that and um, taking those intellectual understandings, of course, they come first, like understanding principles of intuitive eating. There's 10 of them. I've created more for the truly nourished woman, but essentially in the original teachings of the authors of intuitive eating, there's 10 principles. Like we can understand what those are and we can, and they can make sense to us, but then it's literally, okay, now living it and embodying it and being it, which takes some practice. But when you get to that place where you don't have that fear to eat what you love, and you have that permission, and it's really within you, it's not just a concept, but it's really within you, then you start to feel this increase in satisfaction just in the knowing that you can have it when you want it. And because of that, you often feel like you don't even need it, or you need a lot less of it, and you don't really crave it. And a perfect example of this is uh, my episode on what I ate on vacation, because in that episode, I talked about what I ate every day. It was sushi and ice cream. And normally, I only have those on a rare occasion when I'm just at home living my regular life, but that is just what my whole body and being were like, oh, yes, that is what I want in this moment. But because I know I have this unconditional permission to eat it, even when I'm at home or whenever I want it, you know, if I truly want it, I can. And so I, I haven't even had it since I've been home. It's like the, this is how this embodiment of intuitive eating works. When you know you can have it and you know like you can really truly derive the pleasure and satisfaction of it because you're not all up in your head judging yourself for eating it or feel guilty for eating it or fearing eating it then you derive this true knowing of satisfaction and you tend to not even want it when it's right there for you. Okay, so now the third reason why cravings are never about lack of willpower is um, cravings can come from something called performative eating. So only eating what you see as proper when you're in front of others So what you see as being uh, kosher, I'll use that word, when you're in the presence of others, maybe to put on a certain uh, persona of being a healthy eater or just because you want to please certain expectations of others. So it could be going out to dinner with friends or family and only ordering a certain thing when you really want something else. Or when that dessert tray comes around, you really want that piece of cake, but you fight that urge in that moment because you want to appear to be a health conscious eater or someone who's watching what they eat. But then what can happen is later you go home or you go wherever and you're alone and the urge For that thing, that food that you denied yourself can increase into an uncontrollable craving. And sometimes this will lead people to go out and buy the food that they earlier had denied themselves and then often they end up eating more and maybe even have a binge on that food. So it ends up being if they eat more than if they would have just truly honored their food preference back in that moment in that social situation and allowed themselves to just have, once again, that permission to have what they were truly desiring. So this would happen for me back in my eating disorder days, basically. I would social diet a lot. That's how um, I would call it. I would call it social dieting, eating a certain way in front of The other people but then when I was alone I would eat another way and it was often binging on things and this therefore always backfires so it has once again nothing to do with willpower but it all has to do with how we relate to food there's no such thing as a lack of willpower that's why you're you're not having these sorts of events with food. It's not about willpower. The fourth one is carbohydrate craving. So if you identify with being a carbohydrate craver, this is for you. Now I'm going to talk about some science first, but then I'll go into what's happening in more detail when you crave carbohydrates. So our body has a high need for carbohydrates. There's a great level of importance for carbohydrates from our body's perspective Carbs are the only fuel that our brain and blood cells can run on. And they really are, from the body's perspective, the preferred source of fuel and energy because cells function best when they receive this certain level of carbohydrates. And even small decreases in carb intake can cause problems for us. And I know that it's going to to depend on each, on each person's individual physiology. However, just in general, it is a fact that all bodies, including yours and mine, prefer and need carbohydrates over other sources of fuel. And because the brain and the red, red blood cells exclusively rely on carbohydrates for fuel, and because of this importance of carbs in the body, specifically glucose, it's just a type of sugar sugars are carbs, one form of carbs, that because of this high importance, the levels in our blood are very closely regulated by hormones to make sure that our levels in our blood never get too low. And this source of carbohydrate fuel in our body ordinarily lasts three to six hours, except at night when we're sleeping, our liver will release some of its carbohydrate that it has in storage for you while you're sleeping. But otherwise, the only way that you can get carbs is by replenishing them, eating carbohydrate-rich foods. And if carbs are not adequate in the diet, the body has to turn to more creative ways of fueling itself to supply that vital energy. And then what happens is protein becomes that source carbohydrate protein from muscle will get used and converted to carbohydrate so that your brain and your blood can function but this is not a good thing because protein in our muscles um, it's also in our organs it's in our tissues and we don't really want to break those things down and the first place that our body will go for that protein is our muscles because our muscles are more expendable than our organs and essential tissues. You know, we can survive some muscle mass loss, but, you know, so that's where our body will start to take protein to turn into carb. But this is taking, for example, your house that you live in, the structure that you live in as your home, and chopping it up to heat your house, and keep you warm, and to stock the furnace. So using our muscle mass has a high price. And there are those out there that say that eating a high protein diet prevents this, like, well, yeah, you can go really low carb, just increase your protein. But that's not really true. When you eat an inadequate amount of energy as carbohydrates, when that happens, and you're just not eating enough carb in general. That high protein diet will still um, be turned over into energy. It won't necessarily be used for building muscle and maintaining muscle. Therefore, the that high protein diet and that low carb side of it with it is no insurance. Instead, the protein is just this really. Uh, expensive in air quotes expensive source of fuel for the body because it takes a lot more energy to convert that protein to the carbohydrate fuel source so our body has to do a lot of extra work when we're not giving it the adequate carbs and we're it's getting it from dietary protein and you know it's instead that protein is needed for building and maintaining the structure of the body. So no matter what, when carbohydrates and that type of fuel source are lacking, protein is always going to be shifted from its primary role to provide the body fuel and carbohydrate within the body and the brain and the blood and all the other places. So eating high protein does not necessarily fix low carb, as some people might say, and make low carb the best thing in the world. And a lot of people believe that when you don't have enough energy, this is the other thing, that when you don't have enough energy that the body will start to burn fat. So if you cut way back on your carbs, you're just going to burn fat. But It doesn't really work that way because the brain and the other essential, critical parts of the body need carbs exclusively for fuel. They can only run on carbs. So only a very small amount, about 5% of our stored fat can be converted to carbohydrate. So yes, we will break down fat and convert it to carbs, but not all our fat stores are going to be used for that. The body has way more enzymes to convert protein to carbohydrate. So this means that eating a high protein diet does not protect protect against that muscle loss if carbs are low. Our body, because of the way its enzyme system works, uh, will still prefer to burn down your muscle mass over your fat. So we need carbs. (laughs) That's the summary. And a lot of mainstream diets out there will promote things that make a person believe that we can outsmart our biology. But of course, this is a fallacy. Our body has a very elegant biological system that keeps uh, itself alive and performing optimally. And if we, in our minds, think that we can manipulate that system for any length of time to create some sort of aesthetic result for our body, there is always going to be fallout eventually. Rather, we need to come back home to our bodies, honoring our bodies, honoring their innate magnificence and functions, and work in that beautiful harmony within that system, which is why I am passionate about teaching intuitive eating. But now, okay, getting back to Carbohydrate cravings. I just wanted to give you some perspective about the importance of carbs. There's this specific chemical produced in the brain called neuropeptide Y. MPY is the acronym. And this chemical triggers our drive to eat carbohydrates. That's the role of this chemical. It's to drive us to eat carbs. Because once again, carbs are so important for the body as the primary and preferred source of energy. There's a lot of evidence that shows that this brain chemical can have a really big impact on our eating behavior by increasing both the size and the duration of wanting to eat carbs, meaning that food deprivation or undereating, whether it's in quantity or just under-eating of carbs, that type of food, will drive NPY, this neuropeptide, into action, causing the body to seek and crave carbs. So when the next meal or eating opportunity comes around, it can easily turn into a high-carb binge, not because you lack willpower or are out of control with your eating. It's just your biology screaming, please feed me some carbs, So this neuropeptide is revved up after any period of food deprivation. So this could be just the overnight fast from dinner to breakfast, or it could be a literal self-imposed diet slash fast. So NPY's levels are naturally going to be higher in these situations, highest in the morning because of that short-term food deprivation from overnight sleeping and fasting, And also elevated NPY levels are um, directly occurring from diet type of behaviors and food restriction. And oftentimes what can happen is, for example, if we do skip breakfast, especially if we're physically hungry, biologically hungry, and our body's wanting to eat, but we skip breakfast in the morning, Then what's going to happen quite often because of this neuropeptide being revved up is that you're going to have strong carbohydrate cravings later in the afternoon or evening that could turn into a carbohydrate binge. Also, when we're under stress, we're naturally going to burn carbohydrates more than other fuels like fat or protein in our body. Our body is going to want to burn carbs more than anything during that stress state so once again because carbohydrate is the preferred source of fuel especially when we're under stress um, because it is the most efficient fuel source for the body that's why our body wants it so much under stress because it's efficient in that moment because can you imagine when you need to fight or flee which is stress whether it's in your mind being stressed about work or things in life, or you're literally running from a bear kind of stress, like running for your life, that's really like when fight or flight is advantageous to us, but it doesn't really matter to the body whether you're stressed at work and life or being running away from something. The body doesn't know the difference. So when you're feeling stress, your body's just going to want carbohydrates because that's quick, efficient, easy for fighting and fleeing. And the break brain will make more of this NPY under times of stress, and eating carbohydrates is what turns off that NPY through the effects of serotonin. Serotonin is just another brain chemical and that has a balancing effect. So as we eat more carbs, it increases the production of serotonin, which then signals the production of NPY to decrease. So there's this halt in the desire for carbohydrates, less desire. So the more you deny your true biological hunger and the more that you fight with your natural biology, the stronger and more intense food cravings for carbs, obsessions with carbs are going to become because NPY revs up and drives the body to seek more carbs. And by the next time you have that opportunity to eat, it becomes that high carb binge because once again, the body thrives on and needs carbs. So when we honor that need in the body by giving it a balanced, healthy amount of carbs, working in harmony with our body's requests and our hunger signals, it's going to greatly reduce things like carbohydrate cravings. Okay moving on to the fifth reason why cravings are never about willpower and the next big reason is that as I've mentioned on previous episodes there are these emotional triggers that come from inside of ourselves. A craving for certain foods or simply a desire to eat can be triggered by a variety of feelings and emotions based on perspectives that we have about situations so we have these thoughts perspectives ways of seeing things in our mind right and we think about things in a certain way based on our mental programming that's happened to us over the course of time belief systems all the things that have to do with psychology so because of that in our stuff in our subconscious that's kind of programmed in. It can be changed. Programs can be changed, but you know it's there until it's changed. This creates these certain perspectives that we have that so when we are in a situation, a circumstance, we will have a perspective about it. We'll make a meaning about it based on whatever program we have running. And so this means we we have certain thoughts about it. We see it a certain way. And this creates whatever feelings that are created from that perspective. So feelings are just these vibrations in our body that get triggered by thought patterns. And also they can just be created by our body based on that subconscious programming, but that's way more detail than we need to go into right now. Um, Because sometimes, for example, we can be triggered and not know why we're triggered. We just feel these intense feelings. That's because it's stored within us. That's a different topic, but just know... That these are energetic vibrations happening in our body. Feelings are energetic vibrations. And when people experience these, a lot of people will want to escape these vibrations in the body by turning to food. And sometimes there's no idea really that maybe they're doing that they just think that they're overeating because, oh, it tastes so good, and because I don't have any willpower, that's why I'm doing it. So people can sometimes deny that they're eating emotionally or just not really be aware of it, or they can minimize it because they base it all on, oh, this just tastes so good, and I just don't have any willpower. And if anytime you find Yourself in that place or doing that quite a bit where you're eating when you're not biologically hungry, then there's a good chance that you're using food to cope in some way, cope with feelings in some way. And you may not have deep seated emotional reasons to eat. There might not be deep seated traumas or things like that. Sometimes people do, you know, in, have these intense emotions from traumas that. Cause them to use food to soothe that's definitely something but it doesn't have to be a a deep wound within you it it might not be anything like that at all but it's just using food to kind of get through life's hassles and maybe even something like boredom could trigger you to seek food to make it the moment easier for you to do uh something that's you know, another way it can look, it's like to just maybe get yourself through a moment, or maybe you have something to do, like a task where you seek food to make that task easier to do. So working while you eat, for example, um, working while you study, you know, that I was that person in college that I'd always eat while I studied because it made the studying a little more bearable, right? Um, it can also just be specific types of feelings. Like we might be one of those people that whenever we feel sad and we feel sadness emerge, we turn to food. And because we did that a few times and it became a pattern and food is soothing because it changes our brain chemistry, right? So there's all sorts of reasons as, as far as feelings and emotions that can cause us to think we don't have willpower around food. And another thing I want to mention because this was really important for me in my journey is discovering this is that it might not even be so much about emotions specifically regarding circumstances in our life or uh, traumas or wounds that we might have inside of ourselves. It might not even be related to anything like that at all. For me, my emotional eating was often related to the sadness that would emerge when I realized that I'd reached comfortable fullness and I didn't want to stop. So it took me a while for me to pinpoint this within myself, but I realized that I could recognize my fullness. I knew very well when I was full and that it was time to stop physically, and I could feel that signal, but so often... I would not stop. I would continue to overeat. And I recovered from my binge, excuse me, my binge eating and bulimia. But so often there were these events where I would still overeat. And I've, I think, mentioned this on past episodes too. And because I was uh, still quite overeating and I couldn't quite pinpoint why, I just became very very curious and it was just this feeling of oh I don't want the eating to have to be over like maybe some sadness some disappointment that now I have to stop eating because I'm full and that that moment of um not just ignoring my body, not being in harmony with it and going with the emotion and continuing to eat and then overeating it. And this was probably one of my uh, biggest practices and really becoming an embodied intuitive eater. Like it was easier to overcome my disordered eating and the binging behavior that came quicker than, the not overeating and being completely in that harmony with my body and honoring it in that way. And once again, I want to say it's totally okay to overeat and occasionally, but I was just doing it more than I truly wanted to wanted to be doing and it was still affecting my my relationship with food and the quality of my relationship with food. I wasn't fully embodied yet in my intuitive eating, but I was getting better and better and better. So that's something I wanted to share because that's another form of emotional eating. For myself, I had so much trauma from the restriction, uh, restricting so severely for so many years that food literally was the highlight of my day. And when I did allow myself to eat because um, I was so restrictive, so then when I did eat, it was like, oh my gosh, the best part of my day, I get to eat now. And so of course... Of course, you know, when I was working with my intuitive eating process, it took me a while to actually be able to want to stop at comfortable fullness because for so long, food had been the best part of my day. And I was, my body was so like, give me, give me, give me food. And my mind, too, was so much like, give me, give me, give me food. And I would overeat because that was. <laughs> my best part of my day so there was that emotional part for me that was my sort of emotional eating that I had to deal with but I also want to share that one of the things that really became important for me to get past this rather you know and not uh what do I want to say um in conjunction with, not more than or not rather than and instead of, but in conjunction with just practicing intuitive eating, there was this other aspect, which is why I teach mind and soul nutrition as well, is that I had to start to fully live in other areas of my life and find joy in things other than food. And that was a journey for me too. And it's been one of the best journeys, though, that I've been on because it's brought me here to be so passionate about teaching this. So that was just a tangent, a side note, but I wanted to share my personal experience to help anybody if, it re- if you relate to that. So getting back to the emotional triggers, the best way to gauge whether you're using food for emotional reasons is to just ask yourself the question if my body only needs a certain amount of food to be satisfied, but I continue to eat after I'm clearly full, then what other need am I trying to fill with food? And you can even expand on that question beyond what other need am I trying to fulfill with food to What am I afraid of or what do I not want to face in my life? What am I procrastinating on and escaping into food about? You may discover that food is taking care of some feelings for you, such as boredom or procrastination. It could also be a bribe or reward that you use. um, Maybe when you've promised yourself that you could uh, have a treat after you finish a task. And you're doing something that you don't really want to do, but you motivate yourself by bribing yourself with food and I can eat this thing after I do it, or I can eat this thing while I do it. It could also be excitement, a way to add excitement to your life when it maybe feels a little dull or boring. Also soothing, of course, habitually eating to soothe uncomfortable feelings. Also food can be really connected to love for a lot of people. Uh, If food was how you were cared for as a child and you associate it with being loved and cared for. um, We also have a lot of holidays that revolve around food, right? And Valentine's Day, there's chocolate. We even have specific foods associated with love. Sometimes um, feelings of frustration or anger can be soothed by people eating because that biting and that crunching and that movement of the jaw can literally be a way to help relieve stress and tension and in in that energy in the body. And then once again, just stress. chronic stress is a huge reason why people will head to the nearest food because it's helps calm them down a little bit, especially like I talked about before, the carbohydrates. Stress raises our cortisol and increases cravings not only for carbs, but just for food in general. So our desire for food becomes heightened when we're under stress, because again, the body thinks we're fighting or fleeing something And that it should just get all the fuel that it can right now because if we're going to be fighting or fleeing something, we don't know when we're ever going to be able to eat again or if we're ever going to be able to eat again. And we need some energy to fight and flee this thing. That's how our body is seeing it. So when you're under stress, you do get cravings. But once again, it's not about willpower or lack of it. It's about physiology. And then related to stress, there's anxiety, you know, worrying about the future. Worries can trigger that urgent need to eat, to relieve and kind of soothe some anxiety. Also mild depression because brain, um, our brain chemistry changes when we eat. There's dopamine, serotonin that are released. It gives us momentary relief. We may also eat For feelings to feel connected, a need to feel part of a group or to feel connection to others can be a really powerful urge for some people to want to eat food and affect how and what they eat. Another way that people might eat emotionally is this need to loosen the reins. Sometimes we want to loosen the reins of dieting, right? Like that's where I've talked about on past episodes how dieting triggers that emotional eating, but sometimes it's just we have a tight hold on our life. We might be rigid in certain ways or very routine or very successful in certain aspects of our lives and that success has come from this rigid discipline. And so people can go to food to let loose or wind down or release those tight reins of control that they might be using in other areas of their life. And just four very quick tips that I want to give you if you identify with emotional eating and craving food for emotional reasons. The first thing is to always get clear if it's emotional or biological hunger. And the way to do that is just to ask, am I biologically hungry? drop into your body, feel the physical sensations, really tune in, am I biologically hungry? If you're not biologically hungry, then the next thing to ask is, okay, so what am I feeling? Take a time out, be with yourself for a moment, understand what's happening in your emotional space and what are you feeling? Understand the emotional reasons of why you're wanting to have food. And then once again, when you know the feeling, you can also ask, okay, so I'm not really biologically hungry. I've acknowledged and I've become aware of, I'm feeling this certain feeling. What do I need? What is it that I actually need? What is an unmet need that I have that's making me want to go to food to meet that need and of course food can't meet that need it's like a temporary band-aid right that just gives us a little relief but it doesn't actually meet the need so being honest with ourselves and okay what is the need that i really need to have met and oftentimes after that question people will realize that what they need is to actually ask for help in some way in their life simply speaking up and asking for help in some way, whether it's literally asking someone to help you with tasks and chores or how to figure something out, or whether it's more of a mental-emotional support through friendship and some other form of connection. Usually there's something that we can realize, like, this is an unmet need and this is where I need to ask for help from somebody else. And sometimes it's the realization that we need to show up even more powerfully for ourselves. Sometimes we need to meet our own needs better and give ourselves more of what we need. And we have to be that person to fulfill that role. Okay, now the sixth and final reason that uh, we can quickly um, turn to food and have cravings That's not about a lack of willpower, but we'll just assume it's our lack of willpower. Okay, so these reasons are just um, thirst. We have thirst and we confuse thirst for hunger. That's an easy one to fix as we drink plenty of water. Also, lack of sleep. Lack of sleep can be a big one for feeling like you have cravings to eat because once again, when we're not getting enough rest, our body will increase, it's a stress state, so our body will increase cortisol and things that drive us to want to eat because our body's thinking, well, if we're not sleeping, we must be fighting or fleeing something or being prepared to fight or flee something. So I better amp up food intake. So our cortisol increases. That stress hormone causes us to want to eat. So lack of sleep. And it's about somehow allowing yourself to get the sleep that you need, whatever you have to do to do that. I know for myself, my body loves eight to nine hours. I can get by on seven, seven and a half, but I know when I'm getting eight to nine, I feel my best. So for me, I make sleep a huge priority and I do my best to give myself that. Then the other one I want to quickly mention is alcohol. Alcohol has so many effects on the body. And it messes with our brain chemistry in ways that not only decreases our uh, ability to make rational good decisions for ourselves, like logical decisions, but it also does things within our brain chemistry to um, make us crave certain types of foods. There's things with the dopamine and serotonin. There's a lot more biology and chemistry than we need to go in. To on this episode but it's just to be aware of so those are all the reasons that I was able to come up with why your cravings are never about willpower I truly hope that this episode was helpful for you maybe created some new awareness for you maybe created some ideas of ways that you can work on on your wellness, your well-being, and how you can work to uh, enhance your relationship with food based on what I taught, please reach out if you want to share what that is. I would love to hear from you. I know I always say that because it's really true. I would love to hear from you. I'd love to hear what lands, what resonates, what challenges you, maybe what triggers you, where you have doubts, where you have fears. I want to hear it all. So message me Um, on instagram or you can email me if that's your preference whichever and until next time i'm sending you so much love and if you are interested in intuitive mastery coaching with me i would love to have you i would love to hear from you i would love to just have a chat with you to see if it's a good fit and move forward if it is if you are feeling called to that and have a great week Sending you so much love. Take care. Hi, thanks so much for being a listener. I love having you here. If you receive value from this episode, please leave a five-star rating or review wherever you listen to the podcast. Help me reach others so that more and more women can come to this place of feeling truly nourished in body, mind, and soul, living their best, most free life. My website is RebeccaLaurelHill.com. You can email me at hello at Rebecca Laurel Hill. And be sure to follow me on Instagram to get additional inspiration, tips, and teachings to help you be a truly nourished woman.